Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we've been, uh, Mike's given me the figure. Does anybody want to know kind of the figure that we raised this morning, that we've been blessed with to buy some Bible? See, Eric didn't mention to say at the beginning that he was looking, he was asking God, he needs 2,000 Bibles. That's what he's, he, he needs back home in Rwanda. 2,000 Bibles. So, like I say, with the church blessing him, and this morning we've been able to raise 667 pounds 40 pence this morning. Probably more than that. It's gone up. People are, if, for those of you who came late, if you wanted to add to that, then please see Mike, or you can pay it into the church with the reference Eric B. Um, but it's more than that. But I've only got the figure that I could relate while we were in praise and worship. So I believe that we've got to transfer it into dollars. It's $10 a Bible, basically, with, with costs and everything over in Rwanda. But at the moment, just this church, through the church and through yourselves giving, I believe it's roughly about 740 Bibles that we've been able to, to bless the people of Rwanda with. Yeah, come on, that deserves more of a celebration than that. But this is the word of truth. This is... The word of truth. I want to tell you, I can't live without this. Some of you younger people sat back there. You see, I heard this week someone said, how do you know God is real? How do you know God is real? You may be asked exactly, you shrug your shoulders. That's what I said when I was your age. How do I know God's real? How do I know? What, you're all crazy people coming here, singing to a God that you can't see, crying, Believe in praying out to someone you can't hear or you can't... What, how do you know God's real? See, what I love about Celestine's prayer is that, to me, doesn't necessarily prove God's real, but there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an authenticity about it. There's, there's something that breaks your heart. You can't do that unless you believe that God's done something in your life. But I got thinking about it, and I heard one of the ladies at Passion in America, the Passion Conference, and she spoke first and she said that somebody had sent a letter through to her years ago that she had still kept, and it was all torn and kind of, you know, dog-eared. And, and she said she's kept it because it was just a simple question that someone asked her. And they said to her, how do you know God's real? I spoke to you about it yesterday, didn't I? How do you know God's real? And it said that she, it bugged her for a long time. It bugged her for, this is somebody who's quite, you know, well-known, let's just say, this, this young person was saying, well, you can't see God. And yes, you can look at creation and you can see a sunset. But she wanted more than that. And she said, that I know what I'll do. She was quite close to Louis Giglio. So she said, I know what, I'll go and ask Louis. A bit like me. I thought, if I don't, I'll go and ask Rob or Wendy. <laughs> I'll go to Louis Giglio and ask him what, what, what you would say if someone said, how do you know God's real? And she said that Louis Giglio, who most of you will may, may well know, is, is a guy that, you know, he's talked about the luminin. Who remembers the luminin thing? Have you seen that online where incredible kind of talked about the stars and the galaxies and the, if Earth was a golf ball. Do you remember that one where he said if Earth was a golf ball, then, got, you know, all this kind of magnitude of God's goodness and God's amazingness. And she said she thought Louis was going to say something incredible. And do you know what his response was when she asked him, what would you say? How do you know what's God's real? And he said, the Bible. <laughs> it's as simple as that, John. You nodded. The Bible. He said, you can't make that up. That's why the Bible is so precious. 
It's so precious. It's the Word of God. It's alive and living. And that's why it's been an absolute privilege this morning to be able to say that we can sow into another area on this earth, on this planet, to give the Word of God to some people that are desperate to hear His Word. You know, I bet some of you haven't even picked up your Bible for a few weeks or months. I'm not looking at you too now, because <laughs> I know you have. <laughs> but, but that's sobering, isn't it? And I want to lay a challenge and say, when was the last time that you actually delved into your Bible? Now, I know you're all spiritual and you've all got it. But isn't it something sometimes, and it's so easy when it's on here, to not actually have like a paper Bible where you actually pick it up and actually say, I'm going to spend some time in this to hear what God is actually saying in this situation. When was the last time you actually picked up your Bible? That's a challenge. But I want to give you, this is, Eric's actually messaged me. <laughs> I haven't let him know yet kind of what the church have done this morning. But this was a couple of days ago. I sent it to, to Rob to let him know because this is after Wednesday. Do you want me to read it out to you? This is his feedback from Wednesday. Yeah, I'd encourage you. I think Dave's going to put it online um, Wednesday night. It was recorded. So I want to encourage you to, to listen to, to Pastor Eric. And he ministered to us on Wednesday. It was a great night together. When it, I thought the worship was superb on Wednesday night. All we had was a drum. I'm not saying this is not putting I'm not saying all we had, because we had Hannah on the drums and Hillary on the keyboards. But if you were to think of that, you'd think, well, it might be a little bit low-key that you know this evening then, if we haven't got the full complement of guitars, etc. But I want to tell you, there was something powerful in the worship and the praise on Wednesday night. That we don't need all the, the trumpets. When it's anointed, when God comes, there's difference. There's a power, there's a, there's a grace, there's an element of, of awe that kind of was stirred within our hearts then because when we start to, to connect with the worship, something happens, it bubbles away and one person will start to declare praise and then someone else, it almost starts to catch and it goes viral, it starts to go, and that's what's happened this morning in this place, started to go viral. Bless you, it's nice to see Julie. I was going to mention Sharon's mum, uh, mum, Sharon's sister's in the place this morning. So let's welcome Julie. Yeah, that's good to see you with us this morning. It's good to see you with us. This is what Eric has said. He said, Pastor Dan and Pastor Rob, I'm deeply grateful for the warm welcome and the opportunity to minister in your church. Your faith and your fellowship with your beautiful congregation. Yes, that's the nudge the person next to you. Say, that's you. All right, your beautiful congregation have truly blessed my heart. The love, the hunger for the word and your generosity exhibited by you and your inspiring. Thank you so much for your wonderful gift for my family and the financial support to acquire the Bibles for new believers in Rwanda. Your generosity will undoubtedly contribute to the spiritual growth of many. May God bless you abundantly for your kindness. I look forward to the day when Rob will be able to come to Rwanda and deliver them. <laughs> this is... <laughs> this, <laughs> that's what it says here. <laughs> I look forward to the day when we can welcome you to Rwanda. I put Rob in there. I am enthusiastic about the prospect of establishing a sister church for you in our worship center <laughs> in Rwanda. 
Your guidance and your support would be invaluable in this endeavor. <laughs> so much in gratitude to you from Eric Bishimu. So we thank you, yeah? We, we, we're just so blessed and privileged to be part. It's something bigger than us. Yeah, God's building his church. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need your money. Rob said it before. Wendy said it before. We've said it. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And when he's got your heart, then you'll give. Out of the abundance we've been given, we give. Yeah, we give. And I love that. I just so love that. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are building your church. You're building your church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That this message, this message, the gospel message. How do you know God's real when I look at a life like Chloe? And you're going to hear her testimony in a few weeks' time of how God took her from where she was to where she is. You can't argue with someone's testimony. You can't argue with someone. You want to know some of the young people if God's real or not? I want to tell you, look at somebody's life and see the change that God has done in them. You look at the praise of someone like Celestine that lays it all on the altar and says, God, my life is yours. I'm in your hands. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, you are worthy. That you can't argue with someone's testimony. You can't argue with that. This is what I was. And come and meet a man. That's <laughs> I love that in the Bible. Where he says, I don't know, I was blind. I was, I was this, I was that. He didn't even know. He said, all I did, come and meet a man. Who took me from this and now I'm that. <laughs> I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was blind, but now I can see. I don't know what I'm going to do this morning. I've got no idea. I know, but this is not even in my notes this morning. I'm lucky and I'm thinking, what do I do? What do I do? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is what Eric said, Pastor. He said that he's a slave to Scripture. I like that. I like that. Can you say that? Can you say that in your life, that I'm a slave to Scripture? It's so close. to. It's so embedded in me like a sticker. Whenever trouble hit, I've got something where God says, hey, I've got something for that. I've got a verse that you can hold on to. For that, he said, I'm a slave to scripture. He's being shaped. He's being shaped by his word, by the word. It's a compass for life. See, we've got to keep sowing it. It's seed. And that's what we've been talking about in our church, isn't it, recently, about sowing seed. And I remember declaring the other week where I said, you're not buried, you're planted and we need to keep sowing that seed. Sowing it into your young people. That reminds me, actually. Yeah, I can say that. That's not in my notes. Friday night, we had 50 young people in this building at a silent disco. So don't complain if you see bits on the floor. I try to do my best to sort of scrub it up. But there was 50 people, 50 young people between the ages of 11 and 18 were in this house 
not necessarily praising Jesus, I have to be honest, but they were youth groups in this place with their headsets on. With, I had the headset on at one point. I thought, yeah, I look pretty cool. I was kind of trying to make... You realize, I realized how old I was on Friday. <laughs> I kind of realized what you must feel like when you're kind of in school. <laughs> you start to realize, actually, you know, who's the old guy? He's like, there. And I looked around, they were looking at me. <laughs> but we are blessed to be able to offer this building that there are youth groups around our city that were here Friday night just coming together. It's brilliant. And I don't care if there's, there's a big mark on the wall over there. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. There's a mark on the wall. But then the other way I was preaching saying it doesn't matter if there's marks and scuffs because it means that there's life in the building. That don't mean to say that we just disrespect it and do whatever, obviously. But I'm glad there was chewing gum on the carpet as well. I picked it up. I didn't, put, I didn't yeah, picked it up. I kind of, but that's what you have to do. And you have to keep sowing into your kids, into your young people, into your grandchildren. You need to keep speaking it. And I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the battle looks like because the battle's not mine, it's his. And you've got to keep sowing. And you've got to keep sowing. And you've got to keep sowing because this word of life is not going to be lost on our watch. Not on my watch, not on their watch, not on your watch. While I've got breath, I'm going to declare the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you this morning that you keep sowing into your families. Because at the appointed time, there will be a breakthrough. There will be a harvest. There will be fruit from the words that you've spoken in. I'm going to be preaching on this side because you guys ain't getting it yet. I'm preaching to this side that if you're declaring and believing for God to bring a breakthrough, there's something going to happen in the atmosphere. Because we are sown and sown into the kingdom and God is going to bring a harvest for that which you have sown. Now I'm going to preach to this side who are going to get it in a minute. You keep sowing and declaring into the kingdom. And then you've got to wait. Then you've got to wait. Amen. We stand with you. Then you've got to wait when you don't see. And you think it's wasted. And you think the thing that you planted is wasted. But I want to tell you in the kingdom, this Bible again is so full of stories of saying that nothing is wasted. God waits. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of third chances. He's the God of 35th chances. He's the God of 148 chances. I'm going to keep preaching to this side this morning because you got it. All right, I know, I'm just playing like a school teacher. You do that on a, on a Monday, I bet you do. I'm going cinema with Matthew on Tuesday. Hey, we're going cinema together, aren't we? Last time you were shouting out. I want to hear you shouting out this morning in church. You can shout. You do it in the cinema. We're sat there watching a film and he's shouting out in the cinema. You know, it's all quiet. He's a shouter. And I'm thinking, Matthew, just keep it. <laughs> he was engrossed, weren't you? You love it. He's the 
but I love it because you've got a voice. And the enemy wants to keep you quiet sometimes when things around don't look like they're going according to plan. But you keep shouting. You keep declaring. You keep... There you go. Thank you, Lord. The gospel. Amen. 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 Because it's growing. Last week, Rob said, do you want to say something? <laughs> and I'm kind of like, do I want to say something? But I kind of, we flirt and I can't remember, it stuck with me when you said it's time to grow up. You can't think, well, I've hated being, do you remember, who remembers being told that when you're misbehaving? They say, oh, grow up. It's horrible, isn't it? Or stop showing off. You know, I remember like, I know you can't believe that I would ever show off when I was a kid. I know, definitely. It was normally if Auntie Anne turned up and they had the home group at our house and it was my opportunity, you know, I kind of, I looked up to Rob. It kind of like, you know, when we had the home group at our house on a Thursday night and people were there and I thought, brilliant, I could just, if Mike, he used to give me 50p to kind of show off, didn't he? <laughs> but I would, do, I would just do it without regardless anyway. Whoever was there, I'm thinking, this is my opportunity. Until then, finally, my mum would say, will you just stop showing off and get up to bed? You're embarrassing yourself. You remember. But it's time to grow up. See, there's a time when you first get saved. It, I think Paul talks about having the, the milk of the word and, and kind of... You're a, you're a new Christian, and things can be amazing, and you can kind of think, wow, this Christian thing's brilliant. I just prayed that, and it happened. But then it gets to a point where actually God wants to grow you and stretch you. And you kind of think, well, I used to pray that, and it happened. Now what, God? God, are you even there? Are you listening? But it talks in the Bible about a pruning. Sometimes pruning happens, but what's the purpose of the pruning? It's so that you will bear more fruit. It's not that you're doing anything wrong. It's the opposite. You're doing it right. And if you're not being pruned, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if you feel that you've been pruned today, then be encouraged. Because God's word said that there's something happening. There's a growth happening in the pruning. He's the gardener. And I want to tell you today, it's growing. You're growing. You are growing. You're growing. It's growing. And I declare that for the young people in this place. Youth work is just so difficult, so tough. Speaking to some of the youth leaders here on Friday, even though there were kids here, there were many youth leaders that were saying it's just so tough. The younger generation, it's just so difficult. There were lots of kids that should have been here on Friday that weren't here because they just didn't want to get out of the house because they were probably just like this, stuck to their screens. No hope. No future. But I want to tell you that in this Bible, this word, my God says he is the God of all hope. He is the God of my future and he's the God of your future if you were to only know him. But it's growing. It's growing. Though you don't see it, I want to declare to you today, sense it. We spoke that the other week. Though you don't see it, you may just say, well, it's just a cloud. It's just something small. It's just something insignificant. I want to tell you today, sense it, that something's about to shift. 
It's time to grow up in the things of God because it's growing. This church is growing. I want to tell you that Norman and, and Jenny that, that had the connection with Eric, Norman said that, you know, for us to be blessed, that it must be difficult for us to give a certain amount of money when we're believing ourselves for our own building and we're wanting to impart into other ministry. But we said, no, that's not. We want to bless others. We want to give it away. It's not ours to keep. If God says something to do that, then you do it. Because we want to see the kingdom grow and be part of that. It's time to grow. This week on um, on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, we um, we meet in Owl's Calf. <laughs> A group of us, everyone's invited. I know you're at work on a Wednesday, but if you're not at work, everybody's invited. We take over, well, we don't quite take over, we nearly take over the place on Wednesday. And it's a great time of fellowship where you can bring your neighbor, you can bring your friend. It's a non threatening, well, kind of non threatening. I mean, I'm there, kind of, <laughs> so it's a little bit threatening. But we're all friendly, we're all. But I want to encourage you on Wednesday mornings, every Wednesday we're there half 10, or some get there early 10, but we're there from 10-ish until 12 for a cup of tea. They do fry up, they do whatever you want. I come back smelling like a fry up. <laughs> I don't know anyone else, I have to put my hoodie in the wash. Whatever. But it's a great time of fellowship one with another. And there's other groups that meet there. And now we're starting to connect with the other groups. And I spent more of my time sitting with them on Wednesday than I did sitting with our own group. One of them called me over. She was like, hey, come over here a minute. Come over here. And I'm in my element. when <laughs> they're, late, they're all in their 60s and kind of, you know, I'm kind of, they, don't, they don't tell me to stop showing off. <laughs> I have to say, look, girls, I'm married, all right? I'm married. I've got this ring on my finger. <laughs> I'm married. You have to calm down, ladies, all right? There's about eight or nine ladies. That's a knitting natter group. They're knittering and they're nattering. And she called me over. So I sort of did a rob, you know, I kind of strutted over, kind of like, they need me. What do they need? And he said, we want to ask you a question, they said. I was like, ooh, <laughs> they want to ask me a question. So I'm thinking, well, it better be on sport or I'm like, um... <laughs> I'm going to be um, in trouble here. So I'm like, you want to ask me a question? Okay, and I'm thinking, where's Rob? Where's Rob? They're going to ask you, where is he? Where is he? Tucked away in the corner. I know, nobody puts baby in the corner. He's like, you don't want him to be there. But they say, we want to ask you a question. So I'm like, okay. So I think, right, I'm trying to think now. Right, how's my, how's my stuff on Leviticus? Is it kind of like, you know, how's my Bible not? What's it going to be? And this is what they asked me. They said, how tall are you? <laughs> we're all having a debate here between us. We're, 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 we're nattering as we're knitting, and we're like, God, he's tall, isn't he? How tall do you think he is? I don't know. Let's, let's, let's ask him over and ask him how tall he is. And there's me thinking they're going to be asking something spiritual, because so, they know I'm a reverend. They know... I'm, you may, you may not even know I'm a reverend, but I am officially a reverend, okay? And they, so they know that. And I was thinking they were going to ask me something about church or, you know, and they was like, how tall are you? So my response was this. I said, depends if I'm wearing high heels or not. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be truthful. 
I've got to be true, but it depends if I'm wearing high heels. Oh, dear. And they looked kind of... <laughs> I said, I'm only joking. And they said, we know who you are. But they said this to me, which I kind of like... It, it hit me in my spirit. I thought, wow, that's quite interesting. They said... Because I said, oh, I'm, I'm not as, as not as old as I look or whatever way around. I said, I'm a lot young. I said, they said, well, how? I said, oh, I'm in my early 30s. I'm going in early 30s. No, you're not. But they said, well, you must be still growing. And I thought, ah. See, yeah, not in the physical, I'm not still growing. But I've took that as saying, yeah, I'm still growing. And I want to encourage you guys this morning is to say that you're still growing. Even when you don't see it, or don't feel it, you're still growing. You're still growing. Nudge the person next to you and say, you're still growing. You're still growing. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. You know, and, and, and Rob, that's, if you've got your Bibles, let's quickly turn to to Luke 13. This is where Rob, senior pastor, (laughs) the other week, Rob brought the the word to the church for the first Sunday of of the year from Luke 13. And as I went away and kind of pondered it and, and looked and said, well, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to the church? You know, the parable that, that, that Rob brought, that, that Jesus was speaking about the barren fig tree, there's, there's three, <clears throat> excuse me, there's three parts to it where you've got the gardener that owned the vineyard in Luke 13, you've got the fig tree, and you've got, so you've got the owner of the vineyard, the gardener, and the fig tree. And as I read about this, I thought, God, how does that apply to me? And, and as I look, I thought, this, this whole parable here, and I know the application is for the Jews at that time, but it's also deeper than that. It relates to me and you as well today. That is saying that it's about growth. It's speaking about growth. Because the owner of the vineyard who is saying there is God. But look at what Jesus does. He says in verse, um, verse 8, He answered and said to him, let it alone. This is the gardener now speaking to the owner of the vineyard. This is the gardener. This is Jesus. Picture of Jesus. He said, let it alone, this this barren fig tree. Let it alone until I dig around it and fertilize it. Until I dig around it and fertilize it. And then verse 9, it says, and if it bears fruit, Great, but if not, then you can cut it down. Who's doing the digging? I'm preaching to this side now. You've been, you've been good. Don't, don't, lose, don't back out on me now, guys. All right, you were good a minute ago. Don't, don't, don't lose me now. Who's doing the digging? Jesus. Who's doing the fertilizing? Jesus. Yeah? Jesus is doing the digging and the fertilizing. What is the purpose of fertilizing? It's to grow, it's to improve growth, it's to nurture, it's to encourage. Digging, the implication there in the, in the, in the word there, in, in digging in verse 8, is quite interesting 
Because the dig in there is actually to say to loosen up the soil. A loosening up. Nudge the person next to you and say, loosen up a bit. You've got to loosen up a bit. <laughs> no, don't enjoy saying that too much, okay? But you've got to loosen up a bit. And what I find interesting is that it was no coincidence in that Rob said that, you know, we look at it and it's sort of, we got a full stop from verse 9 and verse 10. It kind of splits into a different, but actually it flows on. And then Jesus looks across and he was teaching in the synagogue. And what does Jesus do? We're talking about loosening up, digging up the soil, loosening up. Jesus looks and he sees a woman that had been 18 years that was bent over that couldn't look at Jesus. She wasn't loosened up. But what does Jesus do? Jesus said this most, you know, one of the most famous verses in the Bible where Jesus says, Woman, you are loosed. You are loosed from your infirmity. You see, that woman was me and that woman was you spiritually. I was bent, I couldn't see Jesus. I was dead, I was lost, I was alienated from God because of sin. We were that way, lost. We couldn't see the woman. If I could get down and touch my touch, she was bent over, couldn't see Jesus. All she could do was hear him. And I love the picture. See, that's why I love the Bible. Because when you see and read stories like this, this account, you think, wow, Jesus, you know, to get you to excited to read the book, put yourself in that woman's position. That will change the way you read the Bible. When you see yourself in that, say, well, how would I react to that? What would be happening is the, the Pharisees and the religious people are having a go at you. That's why I love the chosen. You know that? Anyone that's seen the chosen, that's why I love it. It takes it from different perspectives. It's to look and say, I was that woman. You were that woman bent over in our sin. Couldn't see Jesus, couldn't straighten up ourselves. She couldn't grow. How could you expect that woman to grow living in those circumstances? You know, that's what the law and sin does. We can't grow without Jesus. You can't live without Jesus. Until Jesus says... Woman, you are loose. And he puts his hands on her. There are some people I'd love to put my hands on. <laughs> Especially when you're pastoring them and they don't listen. And then they go and do what they were going to do anyway and make a mistake. You think, God, you must be frustrated for many years of ministry thinking, I'd love to get my hands on. <laughs> you can tell me to stop showing off at any moment. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? See, we've got two choices. This is, I'm going to leave what I'm going to bring to next week. See, the title of my message is It's Time to Cut Loose. It's time to grow. That's this week. Next week, this is the title of my message. It's time to cut loose. That doesn't mean that God's going to cut you loose as an, an abandonment. 
I'm saying that we're going to be free from the influence of others, from a system or from the past that's holding you. It's time to cut loose. See, this woman here, Jesus says to her, woman, you are loose. She was loosed. She was cut loose from her infirmity for 18 years. But there was a day when I was cut loose from my spiritual and my sinful nature where Jesus came into my life and set me free and he set you free. But we're going to look at Samson next week. We're going to do that next week. What time is it? It's six minutes past 12. Woman, you are loose. It's time to loosen up. It's time to grow up in the things of God. Yeah. So verse 12. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said to her, Woman, you are loosed. From your infirmity. That is Jesus speaking. Believe that, yeah. Yeah. That that's confirmation of what's happened in this place this morning. See how it all works together? See how it works together? That God is working on your behalf. Don't be afraid. Don't think that God's not working. He's working. Sometimes it's upstream where we can't see it. You haven't seen the fulfillment of it yet, but God's working. And we try to interfere, don't we? We try to do our part. That's what, that was the problem with the, the religious people. Is they had set up a system, and we're going to look at Samson next week, who tried to loosen himself. He tried to break free himself. That's what we try to say. I'll do it my way. I'll shake myself free. I want to tell you, you can't shake yourself free. You can't shake. You might look like you shook yourself free, but you can't. That's what the law does. And you can't shake yourself from the law. And Jesus knew that. The religious people had set up so many rules. That's why they were angry at him because he was doing it on the Sabbath. I mean, it, it's bonkers, isn't it? When you think he's healed someone, but they're upset because he did it on the wrong day. It's crazy. But that's what religion does. I don't want religion. I want Jesus. Do you want Jesus? See, that's what religious people try to do in the world. They're trying to shake themselves in their own strength, in their own works, in their own self-righteousness. See, they say, I don't want Jesus digging around my stuff. (laughs) I remember saying that when I was 16, 17. You can't believe I would say that, do I? No, you don't believe it. I don't want Jesus digging. Who else has said that though? Yeah, we've all said it, haven't we? I don't want Jesus digging around my stuff. It's my, it's pri- can you, It's private. I don't want Jesus doing that. Leave that alone. You know, but we're going to look at Samson next week. But you know, that's what I love about the Bible, is the Bible doesn't leave out any of the bad bits. The Bible tells it as it is. You know, if that was, if it was, a government group or a certain political persuasion, or most of them, they would keep out all the bad bits, wouldn't they? That's my private life. We don't, we don't share private life. But Jesus says, hey, we lay it all out. Because when you try and do it in your own strength, that's when it's going to come tumbling down. But when you say, Jesus, I can't see you, maybe, and maybe today you're saying that. I can't see you, Jesus. 
As Amanda prayed out that prayer, maybe you're saying, I can't see Jesus. But I want to tell you, you've got to hear him. And as people have ministered to you, as Jenny and Sharon and others and Rob have spoken into you, is hear him. You may be bent over like that woman saying, I can't see you, Jesus. I can't see a way out. It's to know that Jesus is speaking. He's near you. Jesus was near to that woman and Jesus saw the woman and said, you are loosed. And we declare that over you this morning as confirmation that you are loosed, that God does something in your life today. He's working in you. That you may not see it, but you've got to sense it and you've got to hear it. You've got to hear it. You know, that's why it's important to be in this place. I don't ever want to take this place for granted. Is that's why people say, well, I can, I can be a Christian at home. Yeah, you can. But there's something about being together. There's something about worship. When worship happens, there's an atmosphere that changes. There's an atmosphere that starts to stir you, is to say, hey, there's something happening. That's why we need to be in this place. That's why I love being in this place. Yeah, I may be paid to be here, but I would be here if I wasn't. I've been here when I haven't been paid for years. You couldn't get rid of me. Now I'm just blessed. And you think, well, what do you do during the week? You know what I do during the week? I'm either reading this, meeting up with Rob, or we're praying for this place for Sunday. There's already a team in the other room on a Sunday morning that prays faithfully for this place and for you. That's what brothers and sisters, when we love one another, that's what we're called to do. We're not supposed to see our faults in one another. Because we're all, we've all got faults. We've all got things that we would wish we could take back and do differently. But Jesus, we're going to look at some mistakes next week. Let's, let's stand to our feet because Samson, if you want some homework, have a look at Samson because we're going to speak about him next week. It's time to cut loose. That's one of you. I'm going to preach to this side now. It's time to cut loose. <laughs> yeah? Have you been blessed this morning? Have you been encouraged this morning that this word is alive?